Welcome to week three of the Sphera series here at the database with Rabbi Yeshua Eisenberg. This is the week of Tiferes. What exactly is Tiferes? It's commonly translated as splendor, but we know that the spheros are ways that Hashem relates to the world. They are the spheres or the emanations through which Hashem engages in this world, and they are apparently midos that we ourselves can work on. And so the question is, what is the mida of splendor? What exactly does that even mean? There are a lot of things that Tiferes is associated with, and we'll touch on all of them, but what we really want to figure out is what they all mean, why there's so many different themes there. So we'll speak about that, and we will also continue our journey through the Kinyone Torah, the treasures that you acquire with the Torah and the tools of acquisition of Torah, going from Kinyonim number uh, 15 all the way through 21. Before we do, I want to just acknowledge our sponsors and thank the anonymous sponsor, Lili Nishmas, Shmuel Menachem Ben Aryeleib, and Leah Bas Avram, their Nishamas should have an Aliyah. And thank you to Yonan Khani Laster, second time sponsors for multiple podcasts. Shkayach, anyone else who wants to donate and sponsor for the Harbatzas Torah that we do here, so just reach out to me at the database at gmail.com. That's the data then base B E I S at gmail.com. Okay, so what exactly is this Tiferes business? So, as we started saying, it means splendor, okay? Doesn't really help us all that much, especially when we want to translate that somehow into a, a mida or an attribute that we're supposed to work on. Like, are you supposed to wear fancy clothes? Are you supposed to wear elegant clothes to be splendorous? I mean, maybe, right? When it comes to the Kohanim, the their big day, the big day Kohuna were described in the Torah. Their purpose, at least, is lechavod lesefaras, right? So kavod, you know, means honor, and we we kind of know what that means. Honor is something that you um, you carry when people respect you, when someone honors another person. So, what's the difference between that and splendor? So, splendor, at first glance, is it's not just that you know you respect the individual, but when something is splendorous, at least I imagine something that's maybe shining, something that's, you know, the, the word that we have for, um, which has more than one connotation, the word stunning, right? Something is stunning, literally stunning means to paralyze, something that's paralyzing. But what we mean is that there's something that it, you're taken aback by, something that is so pristine and something that is so perfect. Those seem to be the connotations of splendorous when you see something that looks really particularly beautiful. So how is exactly is that a mida? Does that mean that we have to really, you know, that we have to be people that are very beautiful? So if, if you look at the different um, associations, at least that are drawn to Tiferes, and let's try to put it into more concrete terms, right? So if, if the spheros correspond to the seven Roim, right, starting from Avram, Yitzchak, then Yaakov, so then Tiferes corresponds to Yaakov. And there are, other, there are other themes that are associated with Yaakov that are 
thereby also associated with Tiferes, and maybe even in the reverse order. At Tiferes, well, at least Yaakov Avinu is associated with Torah. He's associated with MS. Maybe Torah and MS are one and the same. And the Kabbalistic Sfarim, which, again, I'm not super well-versed in, and you, my dear listener, are a good chance that you're probably not, though maybe maybe one of my listeners out there um, knows a little bit, a thing or two. But, um, and you can correct me um, if, if you're out there listening. But Tefaris is also associated with the Mida of Rachamim. So we'll have to get to exactly what all these things mean. Because right, all these things, I just gave you a bunch of different words now, and we're gonna, you know, we have to try to work them all in together. Right, Tiferes, which literally means splendor, but if it's associated with Yaakov, which is also associated with Torah, Ms, and Rachamim. So the question is, what do all of these things have to do with each other? How do they concretize this Mida of Tiferes? How how do they uh, help personify? The point of splendor. What, the, what does it have to do with splendor, right? If, if if it's really rachamim, then call it rachamim. If it's really ms, call it ms. Are all these things the same? Are they different? How are they all related? So we're gonna we're gonna work on that. And I think an important place to look, actually, if you want to understand Tiferes, at least from a I guess a traditional, um, a, a you can't go wrong kind of approach in terms of trying to understand Tiferes is we find a place, actually, where, in a chazal, at least, where we're cautioned or we're encouraged and urged to act with Teferis and see what the Mepharshim say there. And luckily, in Perkeavos, for those who are learning Perkeavos during this Tekufa, which is a strong minag of Yisrael to do, to learn Perkeavos between Pesach and Shavuos, so depending on when you start Perkyavos, if you started learning Perkyavos the week after Pesach, so then you're perfectly lined up with an important and very straightforward lesson on Tiferes. Because the second parak of Perkyavos begins, Rabbi Omer, right, Rabbi referring to Rabbi Yudanasi, Ezohi Derech Yishara Shevor Adam. What is the straight path that a person should go, that should choose for himself? And says Rabbi, Anything that is Tiferes to his maker, and that is Tiferes to fellow man. Okay, well, what does Tiferes mean? So we have some Afarshim here, actually. So take a look, just to survey a couple of them. Baruch Hashem, I have a Perkevos that has it has the Akritos Vasyomtev, it's got the Rabbeinu Yonah, it's got Rav Vadyavar and it's got Rash. So we're not going to do all of them, but we'll do a couple of them just to get the ball rolling for us to understand what Tiferes is according to these Mavarshim. And so between Rashi and the Bartanura, we find a very similar answer. So Rashi says, Kolshi Tiferes Leosa, what does it mean? Shanoach Lo. That it is. Again, that it's it's Noach. That Noach means that it's pleasant. And even his, his fellow man are pleased with him. Teferis means something that's pleasing. There's something that is pleasing about Teferis. Look at the Bartonuri says similarly. Same exact Lashon. 
Now, this is what they say. Now, the question is, what exactly does that mean? So, the Bartonur elaborates a little bit more. He says, This means that a person should go with all of his midos, all of his attributes, in the middle path. And he shouldn't lean to either of the two extremes, the two ends. And then he continues to explain that a person who does this, the Ishtafar is slow, a person who's able to do this. And if you look at the, you know, the Rabbi Yonah has a slightly different explanation. He talks about how a person who does the mitzvahs properly, so he says, HaKadosh Baruch Hu Bahan, that Hashem becomes Teferis through those things. V'hein Teferis Lo'asayin, Ki Teferis Lo'asayin, Ki Teferis Lo'amitis B'vnei Adam. So Rabbi Yonah basically talks about doing mitzvahs and fulfilling Hashem's ratzim, which actually brings splendor to Hashem, so things that bring splendor to Hashem. And those are also things that uh, and he says the, the the splendor that's done for your uh, that that you do for your maker is really the greatest splendor that you can give for yourself in the eyes of others. So you know the Rebbeinu sounds pretty general, being a good person, doing the right thing, doing what Hashem wants you to do. But I think there's plenty to be said about this Spartanura, and you know the, I think there is what to be said about what we alluded to earlier about being splendorous, being elegant. Right, um, there, there's a Rashi, I think it's in Maseches Yoma, um, and my Rebbe of Sachs quotes this, um, um, he has a sheer clearly on the topic of Hidr Mitzvah. And he talks about how Hidr Mitzvah, there's a dual aspect of it. He says that there's a teferis um, um, uh, um, um, to the person who does the mitzvah. It's not, Hidr Mitzvah is not just having nice articles used for the mitzvah, nice chavzishal mitzvah, nice lulav, it's part of it. But also, there's a certain teferis that it expresses in the person who's doing it. That he, he's teferis. So there is what to be said about that. But the Bartonur touches on this point of a teferis that's manifest specifically in doing things on the middle path. That the middle path, and the truth is that, truth is that Rabbeinu Yonah actually ends up saying this later. Right, because the, the Rebbeinu Yonah actually quotes the idea about um, he for, he first talks about the idea of of doing hider mitzvah. Right, he says gam tzarchlihis noes b'mitzvos. That what does it mean to Ferris? He says have a lulav noah, a talis noah. So the, so this is brought down to the Rebbeinu Yonah. So this is part of Tiferes apparently having a nice sefer Torah. But then. And, and after that poem where he talks about, you know, that people should bless him, people should praise him for his beautiful articles of, of mitzvah items. But then he quotes Rabbeinu Moshe, who I believe is the Rambam. And he talks about this exact topic that the Bartanua brought down, probably from the same source. He says, Perish zos hamishna al hamidos. It's talking about midos la sosan al derech Doing things on the middle path, that's the chosen path. And there's something so teferis about this. And he talks about, you know, not, not hitting any of the extremes. And apparently this is something that people are taken aback by when they see someone who has such precision, someone who has this eloquence and elegance. There's something to people who have, who, who, who have gotten it down. You know, you've gotten it down when you're, on the one hand, not a pushover, but on the other hand, you're not too harsh. 
where on the one hand, you grant chesed, but you carry yourself with respect, and, and you do the right thing in terms of justice. Now, this somehow has to plug into Torah, MS, and Rachamim. So if you think about it, what is the Torah other than the thing which is meant to harness our midos, using the Torah to mold ourselves into people who do the right thing with all the right measures? Right? This is this, and we'll see. This is an this is part of the acquisition of Torah. Right? We know Barasi Sahara, Barasi Torah Tavlin. The Torah helps measure everything. We're going to come back to this when we get to the Kinyane Torah. You'll see how, how beautifully it's going to fit in. It's, there's going to be such a teferis to it. But the, the Torah is the thing which helps measure us and it helps us measure ourselves. And this is the Darach Emes, right? At the very end of the first parak of Perkyavos. So the, Mishnah says that there are three things on which the world stands. It says, or really, or some some versions have on which the world is kayam that it's it's established. Al hadin v'yalha emes v'yalha shalom. So what's emes? Emes is apparently the true path. Now we have to explain what this means because we have in the Yagimum Hidus Arachim, Hashem Hashem Karachim Bechanu Nerech Apayim V'Rav Chesed V'Emes. So. If you think about it, we put Rachamim and Emes together because we have Rachum Vichanun in there, there's Rachamim, then there's Emes. And the question is, is Rachamim really Emes? Right? We, we, we might have thought intuitively that Emes is associated with absolute truth, right? The absolute reality that you can't, you know, that there, it's objective. If something is supposed to be a certain way, if by law, if, if the legality of the matter, if something should be a certain way, then Lachora, Rachamim, would be a contradiction to that. Right? And we just finished the week of Gvura, which we said Gvura is the week of justice, it's might, it's, pro, it's appropriate resistance. But Gvura is where you put your foot down. Right? We said there's chesed on the one hand, you want to give, you want to give. And, but we, at the same time, it's not always a true chesed to just give chesed all the time. Sometimes it's not a chesed. Sometimes you could lead someone in the wrong direction. Sometimes too much chesed without gvura, people will not learn to be responsible. Right? If you give too much chesed to your child, but you don't give them enough gvura, and then they, they walk over you and do whatever they want, they're not going to be set for life. And so it's not real chesed. So it really needs gvura. But teferis apparently is where we strike a balance. Right, the the derecha in soi, the middle path that the Bartanura was just talking about, that the Rebbeinu Yona was just talking about. There's something that's particularly pleasing, that's splendorous about hitting that middle path. And the question is, is Rachamim the middle path? Is Rachamim MS? You might say the middle path is the it's the derecha muvchar. It's it's the it's it's the shvil hazav, as the Rambam puts it, the golden path, the middle path, but. That, I could understand being the MS path. I could understand it being the Torah path. What does that have to do with Rachamim? How is Teferis Rachamim? What exactly does that mean? And while you're thinking about that, also something to consider, we know that Yaakov Avinu is the Yishemes. And we know that Yaakov 
has engaged in behavior which we might call sketchy, we might not call it absolutely straightforward. Yaakov Avinu seems to have been involved in what at least looks like a lie, the very least a gnevas da'as of his father Yitzchak, maybe the way he, he dealt with Esav as well. This was a Real Talk Torah session that uh, my brother of Daniel joined me for. We had a great conversation. You can go back and listen to that, where we tried to confront what looks like the quote-unquote lie of Yaakov Avinu. But I want to revisit that question, because if Yaakov is MS, sometimes MS, at least the way we're putting it now, doesn't seem to be MS. Right? Is Rachman really MS? I thought MS is you do whatever the law says. Right? Is there a place for that? A guy, a guy is, is Chayv Misa, and you want to give him Rachman. We know that there's a concept of misplaced Rachman. We spoke about this when we were up to Parshas Zachar. We had a whole Parsha Panorama episode devoted to Zachar, and we were talking about, uh, and we actually also spoke about this in the Real Talk Torah on the concept of hatred in Judaism, that the, 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 the Torah hashkafa of hate. And there's a concept of things that we don't tolerate. Places where Rachamim is not warranted. So where in Rachamim is Emes? So I think the answer to this question is actually very important to understanding what real Emes is. Right? And I'm not talking about your truth versus my truth. I'm, I'm, I'm not talking about that. I'm not even talking about basic objective reality, which is a form of Emes as well. That might be the raw, the most raw form. Is rawest a word? Probably not. The most raw form of MS is, you know, just objective reality. Hashem's chosem is the seal of MS. We know that Hashem threw down the seal of MS when He created the world, because full, full MS apparently couldn't exist in this world. But maybe there's another level of MS, right? Eluv elu divrei elokim chayim. There's an MS that manifests itself in perhaps what we might call the higher will of Hashem. That, yes, there's Gevura, yes, there's Din. And with only that, we said last week that man could not survive. That's why you need Chesed and Din. You need both Chesed and Gevura working together. But apparently... It's the, it's, it's the confluence of the two. You do need them both together. And this is where Rachmim comes in. Because apparently, while there is an objective reality out there, but apparently the Derech Emes is something that's so much more pristine than just objective law. Because Hashem, Hashem in His perfect ways, is able to see that humans with human emotion, with human frailty. We, we need to function on a level that is not pure gvura. And this MS, the MS through which Hashem relates to man, is called Deferis. And it manifests itself in the form of Rachamim. And the idea, the idea is that pure gvura apparently is not a part of the Derech Emes. Or it is part, but it's only half of it. And the question is, is Rachamim, is Rachamim a contradiction? Does it fly in the face with Emes? Sorry, with, 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 with Din and Gvura? So Rachamim apparently is part of Emes. 
But does it contradict Gevura? Is it pushing back on Gevura? So here's what I think Rachamim is. I would not equate Rachamim with Chesed. Right? Chesed and Gevura seem to be a clash. And they push against each other, and you need the balance of the two. So what's Rachamim? Is Rachamim where the guy is Chay of Misa? And, or the guy is guilty of something, he, he owes money, whatever it is he's guilty of. And Rachamim means to just push back and say, yeah, forget Gevur, we got to throw Gevur out, we need some Chesed in here. So we just push back on Gevur and we default back to Chesed. So that's not what Rachamim is. Rachamim is not just a pure pushback on Gevur, trading Gevur back in for Chesed. Rachamim is actually where Chesed and Gevur meet. To have mercy on someone who deserves a punishment. So, the proper rachman, that is the derech ha'emes, the, the teferas of rachman, is not where we just give up purely on din, and we just give up on din, and we just say, okay, listen, I'm not going to give you any, any, any um, penalty. But rachman is where we look at the person who deserves the penalty, and we say, you know what? You deserve this punishment. And I'm not going to let you off the hook. I'm going to show you some rachamim by incorporating chesed. I incorporate, right? I incorporate chesed into my din. Right? So pushing back slightly, but not all the way. You're not going all the way back to chesed, no. You're using chesed to push back, to get back to the middle stream, which is what we call rachamim, where I'm giving a little bit. You don't, you don't, you don't let off fully. If gevura is warranted, you don't let off fully. You try to strike the balance, and that's Teferis, where maybe I let you off with a warning, or maybe not even that. I let you off with a smaller fine than what you really deserve. That's what Rachamim is, and that's what Teferis is. Right? I think the most Teferis kind of a, a judge, when, when we look at a judge, and in, in a manly court, you know, it's, this, is, this is hard. But when you see that judge who is able to not just look at what is owed, but to look at what the needs of the individuals are. Now, it's much, diff- it's much more difficult if you have one guy who owes another person money. It's hard to, to just let off that money that he owes, and I don't think you can really do that. But when it's about something larger, when, when it's about a fine, let's say, a knas, an onesh, so when you can find the, you know, the, place where, okay, this is what the person deserves, but I know that this person can bear it. Right? When, a per- when it comes to giving malakos, by the way, if a person can bear all the malakos, you give him the full amount. But if he can't bear the full malakos, if he's not going to be able to withstand the lashes and live, so we actually give in a little bit. We give him some, but not all. That's Teferis. That's the balance. Rachamim is not a contradiction to Gevura. But it's what makes the Gevura function in a way that humans can actually gain from that Gevura. We can gain from both the Chesed and the Gevura. You're not being a pushover because you're still giving him some of the Gevura. But at the same time, you're not completely forfeiting Chesed. That's Teferis. And this is going to help us understand the, the Kinyane Torah that we, we need to talk about right now. So we start off with Mikra. Okay, so Mikra refers to Chumash, right? Last time, so what did we speak about last time? Last time, we, so, so all, all the ones that we went through. So we, we started from 
Talmud, which is learning, Shmias Ozen, hearing with ears, Arichas Fasayim, Binas Halev, Siklos Halev, Emo, Yiro, all these things you go back to week one if you want to understand those. For week two, we spoke about Anava, Simcha, Tahara, Shimush Chachamim, Diktu Chaverim, Pilpo Chaverim, and Yishuv. With this week, we start off with Mikra. So Mikra really means the learning of Chumash, the acquisition of Chumash, and maybe we can include other forms of scripture, so Navi and Ksuvim, all aspects of Tanakh. These are things that, anyway, to, to work on Mikra, if you want to think of how to work on Mikra, it's very simple. You learn it, you do it. You be Maver Sadr every week, you Shnai Targum. Okay, so you learn the Parsha. Navi, everyone should have a Seder in Navi. It's really unfortunate that, that many um, communities of the Nasral, they, they grew up not knowing Navi. You should know Navi, and you should know Ksuvim as well. Um, you know, these are areas where usually the women end up knowing more. But it's, it's really not an excuse. Um, we, everyone has to make time. So you got to make a Seder for, for Mikra. And when you acquire Mikra, part of Talmud Torah, the acquisition, if you want to really understand Torah, if you want to acquire Torah, you got to, refer, you know, yes, you got to do Gemara, you got to do the, you got to do Chazal, you got to do all the important aspects of Halacha, but you got to be able to trace it back. If you want to be adequate in, in knowledge of any topic, you got to trace it back to its source, and the source for Kol Torah Kula is in Mikra. So that's one acquisition. In order, in order to acquire Torah, and proper acquisition of the Torah gives you the treasure of Mikra. So that's the first one. Okay, now that will correspond, I guess, to, to, to Chesed of Teferis. Fine. The second one is Mishnah. Okay, so we all know that Talmud Torah at least encompasses Gemara and Halacha, right? These are, these are just basics. Basics of knowledge of, of the, the Torah that we live every day. So you have to learn it, to know it, to know how to do it. But Mishnah is obviously a reference to what was codified in the Tanaic period. It was canonized by Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi. And you need to know Mishnah. Mishnah is not just the, you know, for example, the Mishnahis and Perkyavos, the Mishnahis and Shisha Zidra Mishnah, but it's the concept of reviewing your learning. That's what Mishnah means. It means to review. It means to go back and do it again. Mishnah Torah. So the, the idea of Chazara, of getting, and also the, we say Vishinantam Levanecha. Vishinantam means that it should be fluent in your mouth. So you have to acquire Mishnah. Mishnah is the basics for Gemara. So just like you have to trace everything back to Mikra, you have to know, you know the Mishnah, what was codified in Mishnah. If you learn Torah properly, and in order to learn Torah properly, to acquire Torah, you need Mishnah. Then, for the next five, we get into what I like to refer to as the Miot series. Miot means limited. We're going to find different aspects of life, that you should have limited amount of it. Now, it doesn't work out as well because next week, in, the, in week four, so the Mute series continues into next week, but only one into next week. So what, what is the Mute series? I'll explain right now. The first of the Mute series is Mute Schora, limited business. Right, just to give you a bit of a better understanding of this series, the next one's going to be Miot Darecheretz, and there's going to be Miot Ta'anug, Miot Sheina, Miot Sicha, and then next week we have Miot Schok. And that's the last one. It's the, la- the, so the last one is the beginning of next week's Kinyane Torah. So we're not going to get to Miot Schok today. 
But what are the first um, five of the, the Miot series that we have this week? So Miot Skoro means limited business, being limited in your business affairs. And when we think of schora, we think of the means to your parnosa. That's usually what schora means. Torah should be partnered with malacha, right? So we know that. And, and, and if you have a Torah that's partnered with malacha, so the Mishnah in Perkei says that mashkachas avon, you're, you're, you know, you won't be doing averos. But it's not, you know, so schora can have multiple purposes, right? Just to keep you busy, to, so that you know you're not doing averos. But also, obviously, you need your parnasa. No one's saying that you shouldn't be involved in schora. Now, if you have the opportunity to learn for a living to do clay kodesh, so that's great. And you know, by you know, by all means, if it, if it works out for you and your family arrangement, great. But you know, schora has to come from somewhere, and no one's saying that you shouldn't have schora. But the shviel zahav, the teferas of of Torah, the the derech Torah is to have miot schora. You engage in it, yes. And, but the right, the right amount, and it's not an unlimited amount. We're not, we don't believe in being a workaholic in Judaism. In Yiddishkeit. All right, proper bitachon means I work a certain amount, I do a certain amount of ishtanadus. But miot schora, I limit my, my engagement in business world. And this is the same idea with miot derech eretz. Now, what is miot derech eretz? You should have limited... Training people with kavod with derech So usually, even though we, we refer to derech classically, when we say derech haaretz kadmal Torah, we think of derech uh, as being a good person, being um, you know being an upstanding person. This is all true, but usually when derech comes up in Talmudic literature, it refers to either the material world. Might here refer to eating, maybe. Sometimes derech refers to the marital relationship between husband and wife. And maybe that's what it means here. meaning you engage in the physical world. You eat, you know, you you know, you engage in relations in the kosher way. But we don't believe it just willy nilly, you just do whatever you want, but mute. Everything with balance, everything in moderation. Right? When we talk about moderation, this is this is true for Chesed versus Gavura each one but in moderation. And this is true in the worldly affairs. Because a person who has Torah, right? a person who has Torah, he's able to engage in the physical world, right? Barasi Yitzhahar, Barasi Torah Tavlin. There is a Yitzhahar, there is a physical world out there, but when you have the Torah, you know the proper middle path to be on, how to do everything in moderation. And this also helps us understand the next one, Miut Ta'anug. Ta'anug means delight, or luxury, as Art Scroll translates it. Meaning, when it comes to business, you need to do business to have a parnasa, right? So schora, which we mentioned earlier, is the means towards your physical life. And you need it, because in kemach in Torah, you need the physical life. So schora is the means to that, but we do that in moderation. And even when you get your physical aspects of life, when you get the derecheretz, so... You do that in moderation. Now, what about ta'anug? So ta'anug sounds like, intrinsically, that's an extra, right? Like to, to have a luxury, to have a candy, to have sweets, to have extra food, on, you know, like on Shabbos. Um, in Chazal, we have a concept of rechitzah shel ta'anug, 
you know, bathing. Maybe, you know, maybe, uh, um, maybe it means swimming. Maybe it means sitting in a, in a hot tub. But is this something that we believe in, this indulgence? So apparently, yes, this too, in moderation. Meaning, when we talk about the midah of precious, we're supposed to try to abstain from these things, and there's a high level of doing this. And maybe not everyone can be on that level. But part of acquiring Torah, the treasure, is that even your tanug, when you're able to engage in it, and hopefully we do everything, we try to do everything lishma, we try to do everything within Ratzon Hashem, and we try to do everything so that we can move on with life and be able to serve Hashem properly. And even in that realm, there might even be a place for Tanuk. And maybe the miut of Tanuk is even stronger than the miut of Derecharetz, for example. Because, like, you know, you have to eat, but who says you need a Tanuk? Who says you need a luxury? Maybe the place for that is on Shabbos, right? Maybe you have Tanuk on Shabbos. And maybe even then there's a place for the miut that you limit, you know, we, we, we don't let ourselves go. How about the next one, miut Shena? So that's another thing. You know, m- m- most of us probably get miyot shena anyway, but we all enjoy it to get a long nap. So the answer is, this too belongs in moderation, depending on your age, depending on how much sleep you need. But we don't believe in Yiddishkeit. We don't believe in, we believe in Yiddishkeit, but in Yiddishkeit, we don't believe in sleeping in. That's that's something that we don't do. Right? Think about, you know, we talk about Shavuos. You know, Shavuos is the time that we, we, spend, we stay up all night learning. And it's because we believe in miyot shena, you know, that... The, the real way of Torah is that we, we don't spend our, our, you know, our lives in bed. And, you know, the, this is just, it's just not a Jewish ideal. And not only that, but part of acquiring Torah, you want to live a life of Torah, right? So again, the treasure that you acquire through Torah, but also part of acquiring the Torah itself. So is yes, miot shena, that you're not sleeping too much. Uh, but there's also miot sicha. What's miot sicha? Miot sicha means limited talking. Right, so we believe apparently in Yiddishkeit that you don't just talk for the sake of talking. Right, um, also at the very end of which parak in, in Pirkei is it? It's the end of the first parak in Mishnah Yud Zayin. Shimon Beno shall be writes this um, shall Rabbi Gamaliel. He says, "Call you my vidalti bein achamim velo matzasi laguf tuv elashdika." The best thing for a person was shdika. And if you look at the mafarshim, it's pretty incredible. The Rabbi Yona brings down even in words of Torah, meaning he says, "Yes, there's you know sometimes when a person speaks too much, they can give off too much. They can you know give forth too much information." Um, and it could ultimately be damaging for themselves. But he says, It says, you don't need to say this for things that are meaningless, people who talk for no reason. He says, he says clearly, what are we talking about? He says, um, um, Sorry. So a few comments later on the words, A person who speaks too much brings chait. So he says, all right, so and he, he explains, for example, says, He says, a person has to measure his words. And at the very end of his comments, he, he says, 
Meaning, this is all words. This is the whole thing is referring to words of Torah, right? Because sometimes too much Torah, it it'll mess people over. Right? Maybe people won't want to hear it. Maybe there'll be too much for the person or for the listener to consume at once. So. And that does not bring Tiferes to the Torah, right? The whole goal here is Tiferes. So the middle path is apparently Miot Shtika. Maybe I should, you know, we should, we should cut the shear now. Well, the truth is we're, we're really at the end anyway. So Baruch works out really well. It's a, good, it's a great place to stop talking. So now that we have a little bit of a better understanding of what Tiferes means, we could think about how to apply Tiferes in terms of trying to act in the most measured and precise way, not doing too much of anything. So we want to learn Mikra, to learn Mishnah, to have these things down, but also to minimize our schorah, our business affairs, minimize our derecharetz, minimize our tanug, minimize our, our sleeping schedule, minimize the amount that we talk. And Bezra Hashem next week, when we get to the week four, which is going to be the week of Netzach, we'll begin also the Kinyanim with what does it mean to have Mio to schok. All right, so um, how, how does that affect the um, the the grasp and our acquisition of Torah. What does it mean to minimize laughter? It could be there's a very good reason why Mietzchok is going to be in a different week, and it's not even for this week. Um, Mietzchok perhaps is its own conversation, which um, really needs some further elaboration. So the minimizing of our laughter. So we'll see that next week. In the meantime, thanks for joining us here at week three of the Sphere series. Bezras Hashem, next time we'll pick up with the week of Netzach, week, week four, and the next seven Kenyan Torah. So thank you for joining us here at the database.